one of the commitments I want to make to you, or I have already made to make you aware of, is that um, we're going to learn how to, how, to, how to do better at this celebration thing together. And so we will continue to change and adapt how this looks as the year goes on, and, and hopefully it's beneficial for you. Uh, my honest prayer is that each time we do this, you would leave deeply encouraged, uh, deeply inspired, uh, overwhelmed with just how good and faithful God is. I think that's especially important uh, in the age in which we live, when there's so much to distract us or to tempt us to believe that, that God isn't good. Um, we need to be reminded that God is faithful. And so we're going to do that together. But here's the permission I want to give you. Um, we are a room full of people that are on the spectrum of introvert to extrovert, all right? Some of us express our feelings internally, and some of us just let them out, and no one has a choice, right? Um, that helps probably tell you that I'm more of an introvert. I want you to express your celebration however you feel comfortable. Some of you are woohooers, and so you can cheer, you can scream, whatever makes you feel, feel great, and you probably didn't need my permission for that if you're a true extrovert. You just let it out, right? Some of you are kind of on the fence. You're, you're not sure, like you kind of want to cheer, but you're not really sure. Well, whatever makes you feel comfortable, right? And those of you introverts, I, I'll be able to see that kind of smile creep across your face and know that inside uh, you're having a party, okay? And so we're gonna celebrate some things together. Uh, but what we're going to use as the framework for our celebration is Psalm 136. And so if you have your Bibles, find Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is called the Great Hallel, which sounds like a really strange name. Until you understand that the word Hallel is Hebrew for praise. It's the great praise song is what it's called. For Jewish people, it would be the equivalent, probably if you've been around the church for a while, of How Great Thou Art. Uh, it is that song that many people know, I know not all, but it's been sung for generations, uh, proclaiming the greatness of God, who he is, and what he has done. It's found in a section of Psalms called the Hallel Psalms. Psalms 120 through uh, 136 all proclaim praise to God. But 136 stands out above the rest. Uh, the word hallel you may recognize from another word we say, hallelujah, which means praise to the Lord. This song is all about the praise that God deserves. I want you to look at the first three verses because they show a picture, a glimpse of who God is. The psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. The, the psalmist begins by just simply focusing on who God is the depths of his character. He is good. He is right. And that means that, that he, he knows what is best and he acts in ways that are for our best. We give thanks to the Lord because he is good. We give thanks to the, the God of gods. And I love even just looking at it in our English versions because you see God with a big G and God with a little G. Like he is sovereign. He is bigger. He is better. He is higher. So we give thanks to God because there is no one like him. We give thanks to the Lord of lords. He's the one with authority that should guide our lives, who we should live in submission to. 
That's who God is. And so we give thanks to him. We give praise to him because of those attributes that no one else possesses or ever will possess beyond our sovereign creator. The psalm ends the way it begins. If you fast forward to verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. It's as though giving thanks bookends the entire song, which tells us something, that thanksgiving is really the theme of the psalm. It's it's a thanksgiving sandwich. You have thanks to God for who he is, and you may say, well, thanks doesn't show up anywhere else in the psalm. It's verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and it doesn't show up again until verse 26. But here's a little clue. Each kind of stanza, each theme of the psalm is introduced by the words to him, which shows us that what's understood is that we're still giving thanks to the one who's been acknowledged in the beginning. So we give thanks to him, and the theme is creation. We give thanks to the one who's created the world, the heavens and the earth, hung the stars in the sky, carves mountains with his fingers and shapes mountains with his hands. We give thanks to him who delivers. That's the next theme in the psalm. How he rescues Israel, not only from Egypt, but from the hands of evil kings and evil empires. And the final theme of the psalm is that we give thanks for the one who provides, that God is faithful to provide for his people. And so this is echoed again and again throughout the psalm. We're giving thanks to God, and there's this beautiful refrain that follows every statement with which we give praise. And that statement is, his love endures forever. This great song of praise, this great hallel drives our attention to the heavens and just says, God, you are so good. God, you are faithful. And this morning, we want to celebrate the same God who creates, who delivers, who provides, who did it then and is still doing it now. We're going to write, though, our own lyrics. Uh, We're not going to spend any more time, really, in Psalm 136. It's not that we're adding to the scriptures, but let's give voice to the ways that God has been faithful and what we can celebrate for what he's done in and through our lives here at Lebanon Christian Church and work that he's done through our partnership with other people. But before we do that, there's one little bit of remarkable information I want to share, and that's that we have learned that this psalm was most likely written during exile for God's people. If you know the timeline of God's people as God chooses them and um, Abraham gives way to the offspring of, of God that becomes the people of Israel, God has great plans for them, right? He, he wants them to have the promised land and Jerusalem to be a city where he dwells. But the people rebel and they disobey. Uh, not much has changed, right? And, and God disciplines them by sending them off to exile, some to Assyria and some to Babylon. And so you have a people who have heard all these great things about God, but their lives in that moment don't seem to reflect the very best. Times are uncertain. Things that they had hoped for and counted on and planned for have not come to pass. Their lives are marked by more difficulty than many of them could have ever imagined. And yet it's during this time of exile that this psalm is written. People taste and see of the faithfulness of God even in the midst of hardship. I think that's important to share this morning because over the last year, we've tasted some of those very same things. Even looking out at the room with 
rows missing for distancing, gaps in between family groups, knowing that while you sit in the comfort of our building, uh, there are households, dozens of households who are watching right now online who can't yet get back to the place they want to be. And yet God has been faithful and God has been good and we need to sing that song of praise. So what we're going to do is I'm just gonna share a brief overview. I will tell you that this celebration guide is packed with pictures and data and stories uh, that are too numerous for me to recount this morning. But I would encourage you to walk through it and to celebrate even more. What I wanna do is I wanna use the refrain of the psalm, his love endures forever, to echo some things that I wanna highlight from the last few months and in some cases all of 2020. So here's some reasons why I think we should give thanks to the Lord. We should give thanks to the Lord for weeks and weeks of instruction and lessons that have been rooted in the truth of God's word. Not just in this room, but upstairs in our student ministry area, down the hall in our elementary area, down the other halls in our preschool area and our nurseries. Lesson after lesson has been taught, rooted in scripture. In the case of this room and upstairs, we journeyed adults and students together to the entire gospel of Luke and we met him on every page. So we give thanks to the Lord for that. His love endures forever. We give thanks to the Lord for small groups and life groups across all of our environments, young and old, who persevered in the midst of a global pandemic and met through Zoom and met around picnic tables in the park, who who've still gather in our foyers and lobbies and distance and wear masks and just keep pursuing the life of faith together, encouraging each other, growing like Christ together, being compassionate towards our community together. We celebrate those things. God's love endures forever. We give thanks for, in the early part of the year, this incredible initiative that started uh, with the, the Rooted uh, experience and how we had close to 100 people immerse themselves in habits of forming uh, a life devoted to Jesus. And we have more groups that will be starting later in the year as things open up again. His love endures forever. As I've already stated, we celebrate a generous church that not only has given above and beyond our budgeted and anticipated needs, but a church that, that gave backpacks to children in transition, a church that gathered at a mobile farmer's market to distribute food to our community, a church that donated coat after coat and hat after hat and pair of gloves after pair of gloves for people in need in our community. His love endures forever. Think about children for a moment. I can only highlight a couple stories and there, there, there are more and more others. I've heard of cards being written and people being visited. But I wanna highlight just a couple. Uh, a young man in our children's ministry rallied his school to collect coats and gloves and hats for children in need. Another young boy in our children's ministry has kind of appointed himself the, the greeter for children's church and every single week meets people at the door and welcomes them. I think of students in our student ministry. I think of a, a young girl in our student ministry who is so captivated by Jesus she couldn't help talk about it with a friend and there are pictures in the celebration guide of her baptizing her dear friend. 
I think of a, a young man in our student ministry who just got his license in the last year but stops every single week to pick up an elderly man and drive him to church. God's love endures forever. We celebrate dresses that have been made for mission partners in Haiti and Ghana. Many of them in recent months from some of our older women who aren't able yet to get out in the midst of our pandemic. His love endures forever. We celebrate the faithful service of a reduced number of volunteers. Many of our ministries are operating at close to a third of the volunteers they had pre-pandemic. And yet they come each week and they serve faithfully. His love endures forever. We celebrate new people joining and investing in the life of Lebanon Christian Church. And we celebrate many choosing to trust and follow Jesus for the very first time. His love endures forever. We celebrate a church that is on one mission together. We want to make disciples throughout the earth. We want to love God and love others by helping them trust and follow Jesus. And we do that not in isolation, but we do that alongside several strategic partners, both locally and internationally. We're striving for global impact, changing lives here, there, and everywhere. One of the things that we want to do as a part of these celebrations is have some of our strategic partners here to share about the impact that, that their, their ministries have had in the world. Because what you and I need to see is that that impact is an extension of us. And if you're here for the first time or you're listening and watching online for the first time, it's not that we're here to applaud ourselves or to toot our own horn. Um, I guess that's what you do with semi-drivers, right? Um, we're here to celebrate how God has been faithful, but you need to be encouraged that God is using you. God is using your generous support. He's using your prayers. He's using our church to make an impact far beyond Lebanon far beyond the state of Indiana, far beyond our own nation. And so this morning, we're gonna hear from two of our partners, um, Ian Isley, uh, Ian, Kristen, their daughter Sophie are here. Uh, they serve in the Ivory Coast, a work that we have supported for uh, more than a decade. Megan Schreiber is here from Haitian Christian Outreach, a work we've supported again, I think, for more than a decade, uh, work in Haiti. And they're both gonna spend a few minutes sharing with you um, what God has done there, and we can celebrate with them. Welcome, Ian. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be here with you all. It's been uh, a couple of years. Uh, my name is Ian Isley. Uh, I'm joined with by my wife, uh, Kristen, and my daughter, Sophie. They're sitting over there in the corner. Uh, last time we were here, we didn't have Sophie. Kristen was very pregnant, um, so it's been a couple years. Uh, but it's great to be here with you all. Um, we've had the pleasure of serving in Ivory Coast um, with CMF um, for the last four years. Uh, we work with what's called the Christian Mission in Ivory Coast. Um, there have been CMF missionaries uh, in Ivory Coast for the past 30 years, um, so we're continuing to build on the work that has been done uh, by those who came before us. Um, I wanna talk for the next few minutes about um, the foundations that we are building on uh, to establish Christ-centered communities that focus on the, the compassion of loving God and loving your neighbor and what that looks like. Yeah, thank you. 
So when we're talking about uh, Christ-centered communities, um, communities have multiple uh, cornerstones, multiple foundations that we build on. Um, one of the major ones is family. Um, a community is a collection of families. So we want to build and foster and grow strong families um, in the community uh, in which we work. Um, we work in a, in a town called Abengaru. Um, it's a small regional town um, in West Africa. It's French-speaking. Uh, was a French colony until recently. But so uh, this is a picture of a village, uh, of a family in a village that's about 15 minutes from where we live. Um, this church was very reticent to have, sorry, this village was very reticent to have missionaries come in. Um, they didn't really have much trust for us. But, but after years of being able to work in this town and communicate with village elders, uh, other leaders, um, this is one whole family about to get baptized. Um, as we build a church based on, in this town, only two families. Um, so we basically doubled the church in one day, uh, which I think is pretty great. Um, so this is where on the side of a road beneath an underpass, it's the only water that we could find nearby. Um, but you work with what you have uh, in that case. So um, another uh, instance here, we're building a church. You can see I'm working really hard, uh, <laughs> sitting on a bench in the shade. Uh, the foreman, you need a foreman, right? Um, so this is uh, an, another village pretty nearby to where we live. Um, it's a, a man named Abraham. He's a farmer. Almost everyone that we work with um, is a farmer in one capacity or another. Um, he has decided his family is going to be the foundation of this church in his village. So we've been working on training him for the last several years, um, theologically, uh, with his leadership skills, um, and the man next to him, Noel, is someone we've worked with for, since he was a child. He's come up through our youth program and is now on his way to becoming a pastor. So he's been discipling uh, Abraham as he tries to build a church in his mostly Muslim community. Um, so that's, those are two of the individuals we're able to partner with. Um, just like everybody else, uh, COVID affected us, probably less so. Um, it didn't spread nearly as much in, in Ivory Coast, which is a blessing uh, because our health facilities are pretty lacking. Um, but when you uh, think about the developing world, um, science education, health education is pretty lacking. Um, so what people would see on Facebook about COVID is a video of someone convulsing on the floor, foaming at the mouth, and they think, oh no, we're all gonna get COVID and die immediately. Um, so misinformation like that exists in Ivory Coast um, as well as other places. But So we were holding um, seminars and training sessions just for basic um, the science of COVID, what you need to do to protect yourself, um, teaching people about um, making uh, hand-washing stations. You can see behind them they're social distancing very effectively. Um, we're working on it. <laughs> um, but that's... One of the things we were able to do um, to help the community that we live in to be more healthy and safe during what was a pretty uncertain time. Um, we have a child sponsorship program. Um, like a lot of missions do this where they um, send children to school, they pay their school fees, health care, and whatnot. Um, we use this program uh, to help identify the neediest children and most at risk children in our community. They've already done the scouting work to see who's, who's in the most need. 
Um, so during COVID, we got used this information to identify who was having a, a hard time um, getting the food they needed, the nutrition they needed because of COVID. Um, when they quarantined all of the cities in Ivory Coast, it made it difficult for goods to, to transport. Uh, the prices went up in the markets. Um, so we were able to give rice and oil, which are the things that they use to cook with most often, um, to those the neediest uh, people within our community. Um, so that's, that's a blessing that we were able to do that through our partnerships with uh, churches like yours. Um, this is what we normally do every year is give backpacks, um, school supplies and stuff to two different uh, towns where we have a child sponsorship program. We were still able to do this during COVID. Um, the faithfulness of our partners made this possible so that we didn't have to uh, tell the kids, sorry, we don't have anything for you this year. Um, so that's one of the villages, uh, a whole group of kids, very happy to be receiving their school supplies for this year. Um, one of the other ways that we try to develop and build strong, healthy communities is through um, theological training for pastors. Um, the man on the left, up on the tall chair there, is, his name is Emmanuel. Um, he also came through our youth program. Um, he's in his 40s now, so it's, it's been a little while. But he's gone from being a youth leader to now being a pastor and an educator for our lay leaders and pastors. Um, so what we do is we, a few times a year, we try to have uh, training courses in different aspects of theological education, um, whether that's um, how to preach, how to read the Bible responsibly and well. Um, in some cases, it's working with um, illiterate men and women, um, which means I have to work with um, people who can read and write to get them to understand the content well so then they can uh, pass that on during a Bible study session to illiterate leaders, um, which is not something I thought I'd ever have to do. Um, but we've learned, we've learned how to do it along the way. Um, another thing that we focus on doing is uh, every time I teach a class, I also try to create a teaching guide so that our pastors, who, whose education usually has only gone up through the sixth grade, um, the goal is long-term that if I'm not able to be there and teach, we want our pastors to be able to teach, uh, to lead their flocks well, um, teach up the next generation. So every class I teach, I also make a teachable guide for people with a lower education level so they can follow through, um, understand all the main points and subjects, um, and continue to grow their church even in the absence of the mission, uh, which is our long-term goal. Um, the last thing I'd like to talk about is uh, a program that my wife started called Women Together. Um, it's a program for teenage girls up through their mid-20s um, to give them a place in the community where they feel comfortable talking about uh, some of the difficulties that adolescent women go through. Um, in the developing world especially, but it's true pretty much everywhere, um, young, young women can face some real difficulties, um, whether that's uh, sexual aggression from teachers um, or other leaders, uh, people of authority in their life um, that can be in the form of HIV or AIDS or prostitution, um, even for young women in their teens because they don't feel that they don't have enough to eat or their siblings don't have enough to eat. Um, so Kristen has joined with three Ivorian women, um, all of whom are mothers and are either widows or are single moms, to teach health lessons um, and 
social justice lessons and humanitarian lessons, um, and basically bring together a group of girls to give them a safe place to talk about these difficult things. Um, in one of our villages, we're based in, it's a Muslim village, it's almost entirely Muslim girls, and we hold the program in our church, um, started by the young man Abraham and his family who I've told you about um, at the beginning of this. So it's, we, th we see it as a really um, important outreach and way to get a foothold in communities, but also to make a difference in the lives of these young women um, who have seen a lot of difficulties. Um, what's great about working with the women we work with is most of them have experience and understand uh, the difficulties that the young women go through and they're able to communicate in a way uh, that's really effective um, and life-changing for these young girls. Um, so those are the, the main ways that we work in Ivory Coast. Um, and I'm really glad today to be able to celebrate with you. Um, I don't think I've ever woohooed for anything in my life. Um, I might have been, if I, I, I'm really into sports, but growing up a Lions fan, I've never had a reason to woohoo in my life. Um, if you follow sports, you'd know that I've just been disappointed since I was born uh, being a Lions fan. Um, you guys have Peyton Manning, that's something to cheer about, right? So. Maybe you've had the chance to woohoo, but not me. Um, so it's great to be here with you guys today. Um, every couple of years we get to come and see you all, um, and it's really a blessing. Um, we appreciate your faithfulness that we've been able to continue doing what we do amidst the pandemic. Um, we haven't even really had to falter a step uh, despite the pandemic. So I appreciate you all, uh, and it's been, been great to be here. So, Good morning, everybody. Bonjour. Good morning. I am happy to see you. Um, so I am a very large woohooer, <laughs> despite living in Ohio and being a Michigan fan. Um, but I'm also a volleyball coach, and so I am not quiet on the sidelines. I'm very uh, vocal, and I definitely woohoo out loud. So my my opinion, my, my uh, way of doing things. But um, so for those of you who do not know me, again, my name is Megan Schreiber, and I am the U.S. Director for Haitian Christian Outreach. Some of you may know Roro and Aline Ustache. Um, I believe that they have visited a time or two, uh, or you may have been to Peridot and visited them. So um, I was, at the end of, of 2020, I was trying to find a way to describe how our past year uh, went. And God kept showing me this timeline. Um, and it was a timeline of world events versus God events. And every time that I would think about or write down or uh, go back and reflect on the world events that had affected our mission, God said, but look what I have done despite the world events. And so over the last year, I'm going to share with you what God has shown me um, and the way that he is working through Haitian Christian Outreach. So the last time I was here was the fall of 2019, and some of you may remember we were getting ready to 
fly in about 750 pounds worth of medical supplies. We had partnered with Flights for Christ uh, to do this. And the reason we were flying them in is because the entire country was locked down. The entire um, country of Haiti was locked down. Uh, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock because of violent demonstrations and civil unrest. Um, that being the way that it was meant that our kids uh, and all the kids across Haiti could not go to school. Uh, it just wasn't safe for them to travel the roads uh, and to try to make their way to school. So world event, civil unrest, violence, uh, resources stopped throwing, or flowing through the country. God event, he partnered us with Flights for Christ. We were able to fly them into the country. Uh, our, the drivers w that work on our campus were able to safely pass through these barricades without being asked for a fee, without harm, and with no supplies stolen. Praise God. World event, all of the little uh, clinics and hospital facilities along the way in Southeast Haiti shut down because they didn't have the supplies. We were, um, our Peridot Community Hospital was flooded with a tremendous volume of patients. Uh, God event, all of our staff, because they had uh, Peridot Community Hospital badges that they could show to the individuals who were barricading the roads. Those individuals recognized the hospital as such a resource during that time that they allowed our employees to safely pass through. Yes. January 2020, uh, at the end of, uh, of January, the schools finally opened in Haiti. Uh, we actually had a, um, we had some of our families that said we're not comfortable yet sending our kids back to school because of everything. We had a team that was able to go in, uh, place a roof on our church in Balance. They held a revival and 17 people came to Christ in one evening. Yes. At the end of January, um, I'm sorry, into February, we had, uh, February is a, a kind of a risky month in Haiti because there's a, a day on February 6th uh, and February 7th, uh, the two days combined, that is dedicated to elections and what that upcoming election may be. And so that kind of stirs a lot of uh, a lot of demonstration, but we were able to take a team in, build a house for one of our families, a family of nine in our Grandpa School District. The team was able to meet the children that they sponsored, and we were able to introduce them to our new assistant director uh, of operations in Haiti. Um, in March, of course, as you guys, as everyone knows, this thing called COVID hit, and uh, at the time, we were... Um, we were just finishing a legacy uh, event in which we were able to raise one, a total of one month's supply for our general fund just in one evening. And praise God, because we had no idea what the next month was going to bring us, right? Um, so world event, COVID hit. Uh, there were individuals who were predicting that 800,000 people in Haiti would be affected um, by COVID. That's 
500,000 more than what perished in the 2010 earthquake. Um, God event, to this day, there are only 10,000, I'm sorry, 10,200 cases that have tested positive in Haiti from the entire time. Yes. Yes. Woohoo, right? <laughs> um, and there are less than 300 deaths uh, that are attributed to COVID. Um, so at the end of March, unfortunately, our, school, our schools closed again. Um, our churches closed. So world event, obviously, the pandemic uh, closed everything up tight again. The borders were all closed, ports of entry. Um, but our pastors and our teachers still found creative ways to spread the gospel, to help some of our ninth and 12th graders receive lessons. Um, and throughout the entire year, we've had over 150 people come to Christ despite churches being closed. So yes, praise God for that. Um, in August, our ninth and 12th graders took their state testing and 100% of them passed. We had uh, ninth graders, we had 41 ninth graders who passed their test and 47 12th graders who passed theirs. So the ninth, yes, yes. Ninth graders are able to continue on through high school and the 12th graders uh, on to university. Um, in the summer, uh, little did we know that in January, there were 447,000 packed meals being sent into Haiti specifically for HCO. So when our schools closed down again in March, not to open again until at the time, who knew when, uh, what that meant was not only were our kids missing out on education, which means opportunity and life change, but we also provide them a meal, which is sometimes the only meal that they get throughout the day, and we provide them th free health care through our um, hospital. Those 447,000 meals had just left customs when all the ports closed and we were able to distribute them amongst our school kids and their families, amongst the churches. The churches were able to distribute them out to their communities. Um, and so praise God because we had individuals who were being fed who would not have other, otherwise uh, been fed. We, our hospital remained open. Uh, in August of, of 2020, some of you may remember Hurricane Laura that came through. Um, luckily, it was only a tropical storm when it came through Haiti. It still did quite a bit of damage, and we had some nurses who lost their homes. But praise God, because uh, we had just finished the nurses and uh, physicians' apartments on our campus. And so now they have a full uh, apartment there on our campus right beside where they work. Yes. Yes. And... Obviously, that could not have been done without partners such as, such as you all. Uh, in August, unfortunately, some of our, because of the flooding, uh, some of our farmers in Sagan and Grimbois and the mountains uh, lost a lot of their crop being washed away with flooding. Um, and so uh, that was something that we were uh, grateful for one of our partners who sent uh, some money in for us to purchase rice and spaghetti and cooking oil and um, uh, beans to uh, pack over 600 meal kits, which also contain some toiletries and masks uh, for those farmers and their families. Uh, in September of 
2020, the inflation went up in Haiti uh, by three times the amount, so things were so much more expensive, and the U.S. dollar in their economy depreciated by 50%. So, I'm sorry, a little over 50%. So our funds or our salaries and, and the way that we fund our mission is all sent by U.S. dollar. By the time that it gets there and is um, uh, turned into good, which is their currency, it's only worth half its value. Uh, so unfortunately, our budget has had to double. So while we are uh, questioning, okay, God, how are we going to do this? He's saying, no, no. I'm going to do this. And we have been so blessed that we have 141 of our teachers, staff, and administration, and all 40 of our hospital workers still employed every month getting their full salary. Yes. On December 31st uh, in Haiti, New Year's is a huge celebration, bigger than Thanksgiving, bigger than Christmas. And so our church in Port-au-Prince was having a huge celebration, a huge revival, and at that time we had 12 baptisms on December 31st. Yes. From January through November of 2020, over 400 babies have been born in the Peridot Community Hospital. And if you remember some of the numbers that I gave you last year, that's double the amount than what we had uh, in 2019. And so for me, with a healthcare background, what that tells me is, uh, looking at our numbers, we have increased mamas coming for prenatal care and increased pediatric numbers, meaning their babies are coming back. Uh, every baby that leaves the Peridot Community Hospital has a name, which is large in that in uh, Haiti because they want to make sure babies survive. Uh, and so you could see a six, seven, or eight-month-old baby without a name. But every baby leaves our hospital with a name. Uh, and so we praise God for those 400 babies that uh, were born at our hospital. As we speak today... Um, or I take, as I was talking yesterday with a, a small group, we had seven more individuals who were being baptized in Sagan. This weekend, they have a huge harvest celebration. And so as we speak today, they are, despite everything that's happened uh, in Haiti, they are dancing what crops they have left literally dancing them down the aisle to the altar to praise God and to celebrate the abundance that he has given them. And then they will share that with the community, have a huge celebration, uh, and again, uh, sing hallelujah and sing praises for what God has, has given them for this year. So I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to stand here and tell you, share with you the work that God is doing because of you through ministries such as Haitian Christian Outreach and all of those that you're connected to. So thank you so much for your faithfulness and thank you so much uh, for your generosity and for your, your prayers. And uh, I hope to see you again soon. Isn't that just encouraging uh, to hear, uh, to, to see in the case of some of the pictures? Again, please grab a celebration guide when you leave uh, today. Um, 
I think it would be wise if maybe we end uh, where we began, and, and that's with those early words of uh, Psalm 136, and I'd like your help with that. I'll read the uh, words um, that begin the verse, and if you'll echo the refrain, his love endures forever. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We give thanks to the God of gods. We give thanks to the Lord of lords. And it does. And may we remember that God is faithful. He's working through you, Lebanon Christian Church, whether you're at home or whether you're here. Uh, he's changing the world uh, one life at a time, one smile at a time, one heart at a time. And I'm thankful to be on that journey with you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, there's so many more stories that we could share, more things that we could say, and um, God, our, our time doesn't allow for that right now, but we, we give you praise. Thank you for being faithful, and God, as we sing this old song, may it be our great hello to you. Amen. <laughs>